Hello team and welcome to episode 454 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, you're going to hear a recent interview that I had with Sujal Patel on the All Things Millennial podcast. This was an amazing interview and we covered everything from fad diets, supplements, the impact of sleep and stress on your health and fitness journey, making exercise enjoyable and so much more. I personally really enjoyed this interview, so I hope that you guys do too. Hi, Elliot. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on my show. Uh, So just to get started, uh, give us a quick introduction into how you got into coaching for weight loss. And as far as I know, especially using the holistic and sustainable methods. Hey, Sujo. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our chat today. So it all starts at a pretty young age, to be completely honest. I mean, my teenage years, I am just growing up as a young boy and recognizing that when I'm in the PE changing rooms and I'm changing my shirt and I'm looking around, my body seems to be a little bit different to the other guys. Maybe I'm a little bit more overweight than I would like to be. And I can't really work out why, you know, I am a super sporty person. I enjoyed my PE classes. I enjoyed sport, but I just maybe liked food too much. And at home, I wasn't eating the right things either. And obviously, I learned a lot more about that later down the line, but I started to feel these insecurities and I started to also have a little bit of bullying from some of the other kids as well. And I always say it was never anything super intense, but it was enough to make me aware of those things. So enough became enough. And I always give credit to the self-aware teenager that I was at that time who said, okay, well, how do I work on this? Like, how do I turn this around? And I always joke and say that my inspirations at that time were, you know, Zac Efron and David Beckham, like those were the kind of bodies that I was aspiring to have. So I just go on Google as a 13, 14 year old boy. I'm like, okay, Zach Efron diet, David Beckham training regime. And I just try and gather as much information as possible. And I kind of get these insights into what type of diets they were on and what type of training that they were doing. And I just tried to replicate that with what I could do in my home. I didn't have a gym. You know, there was not my, I didn't really, my, let's give my mom credit. She definitely made a lot of healthy food, but there wasn't anything aligned to, you know, being fit and, you know, having, you know, a certain body or anything like that. She just cooked from scratch and she cooked with a lot of vegetables, but serving sizes and all Mm -hmm. these different types of things, Mm -hmm. as you probably know, like moms cook from love. They don't cook from, you know, trying to make your physique in the best way, especially as a kid. So I started, yeah, exactly. So I started diving into my freezer, seeing what I could apply. And I start creating my form of what this looked like. And then I got into my bathroom. I was like, okay, I can use these shampoo bottles and some weights. So I started to use those, did some tricep dips on the bathtub. And that was, you know, the humble nature of how my journey began. And then obviously it's kind of evolved there on after. I went to a gym, I learned a little bit more. And that really inspired me because I saw some changes, you know, for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, like I'm doing something. And even though, like for me, it felt big at the time, like I'd never really taken anything like this seriously before. I didn't realize that you could do this. I was like, oh, wow, I'm seeing some changes. And then I started going to the gym and then other people started seeing some changes. And then I was like, wow, like this is kind of my thing. Like there's not that many like 15 year olds, like really working on their physique right now. And I gave me the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to keep taking this to the next level. And obviously I was excited and passionate about it. And then it evolved into a career because I was like, well, I know what this did for me. And I know that a lot of people struggle with their health and fitness in their thirties, forties, fifties. And I've already worked this out at such a young age and I can't keep this to myself. I want to show people what it can do for them the same way it did 
that for me when I was much younger. So that's what led me down that path. And then the holistic side of things came a little bit later when I was noticing that as much as it's great to drop weight and as much as it's amazing to get your body in a position where you want it to be, a lot of us have such a challenge with sustaining this in the long term. And we also recognize that, you know, we can do this training and nutrition thing for 12 weeks, but then something comes up, you know, and it might be a roadblock like our minds, like our mindset or our mental health or our sleep or our lifestyle or our stress. And I realized that it wasn't enough just to give people like nutrition plans and training plans. I would need to take kind of a very complete approach to ensure that people genuinely got the results that they wanted and they were able to sustain them as well. So after some years of you know, kind of going through that process of helping people get into the position they wanted to be, I realized it just wasn't enough. And I wanted people not only to have a taste of what this life could feel like, but I wanted them to feel it on a permanent basis. That's what inspired me to do more of the holistic side of things as well. Great. Actually, I resonate uh, with all of your points so much because I have been on my weight loss uh, or fitness journey, if uh, I may, since 2021. And definitely, I'm not a fa uh, fat loss or a transformation coach, but along my journey, I've learned so much. And I have given uh, so many different methods a try. And what's working for me is definitely taking it slow, taking having the sustainable approach so how do you think the holistic fat loss approach stands out uh, amongst the regular fat loss or weight loss methods we all know are out there i think it's not as attractive when you first look at it but it's one of those things that deep down you know it's probably the right thing to do but we're all tempted by next day results and things coming so immediately and Someone said to me on a podcast that I recorded with them once, they were like, we live in an Amazon Prime generation where we want everything on Prime delivery. We want everything tomorrow. And you know, if we could have it yesterday, we would take it as well. So there's temptations to go for these quick fixes and people who promise things that are going to deliver us results overnight, because if we can have results sooner, then we're definitely going to take them. But what many people will realize and what I've certainly realized in my career as well is that they don't last long. You know, so that's why we have to end up doing like five of these, six of these, seven of these. And the beautiful thing is, is that in my messaging on social media, in my podcast and my coaching clients as well, I don't talk about quick fixes. I make them very aware that, you know, most people's journeys take at least six months, right? And like, that's a, that's a minimum to be completely honest. And I make them aware that we are going to be able to achieve your results overnight, but if you give them enough time we have a much, much better chance of you being able to maintain that long term. And the good thing is, is that a lot of people are kind of fed up. They're like, I've done seven of these quick fix diets. I've done 25 of these. I've been doing this for the last 20 years of my life. So it's kind of refreshing. It's like, okay, it might not be the most tempting thing to do. And it might not be the most attractive offer that you've given me saying that I'm just going to drop a little bit every single week versus I'm going to drop five kilos in two weeks. But at the same time, I kind of know deep down that that's what's right for me. So that's where I think that I try to give people the honest truth. And I luckily attract a lot of people who are ready to say, okay, I'm done with the fad dieting because of realistically, it might seem short in the long, in the, in the very like immediate frame. But actually I've been on this for like, I've been on these short-term diets for a very long time. So realistically, maybe I need to go for something that has a little bit more of a longer term approach that is actually not going to take as long as all of these back and forth of these short term and quick fix diets take. So luckily that's kind of how I do it is I try and dress it up in a way of like, okay, 
I want to be the last fat loss coach that you ever need to see. And my business model is created around kicking people out of the business. Like I would rather you leave super happy, refer three of your friends to me, and that makes the world a happier place. And ultimately, if people can get to their results and they learn how to sustain them, they don't need a coach for life. Health and fitness becomes something that's just kind of a back of the mind thought. And it's not something we have to think about on a day-to-day basis. But realistically, quick fixes are built around doing kind of unsustainable things. And that's why ultimately they don't last. That's a great take. And I am guilty of trying those GM diets, military diets. We all are. Good, yes, charged. But we all also know that exercise of working out plays a vital role in achieving your fitness goals. So how do you make fitness fun? It took a really long time for me to actually enjoy going to the gym or looking forward to my sessions with my trainer. So what is your one advice of making fitness fun? I think you have to balance it with what you want to achieve. Because if you want to go down the route of just maybe just dropping a little bit of weight, you don't mind how long it takes, then I would say go for the thing that interests you the most. And a lot of the times in the past, maybe if someone said, ah, is Zumba a good workout? Or is Pilates a good workout? I would have been like, mm, there's probably better things that you can do. However, at the same time, if I know that someone's going to show up and do Zumba every single week because they absolutely love it and they enjoy it, it is far better than my sophisticated strength training plan that I've created for them. Because ultimately, it's about how can we get this person to continue to train and continue to exercise, continue to work on their body and not feel too much resistance for it. So I think that if you are looking for a long-term approach, you want to find the thing that you enjoy most. If you're looking for a short term and maybe you want to build a certain physique and you know that you want these results, you want your body to look a certain way, then we might just need to find this blend between optimal and practical, right? Optimal might be you strength training one or two times a week, but the other two times you do your CrossFit class or you do your dance class or something along those lines. So you've just got to find where you are on that scale. A lot of people, when they first start, they're more than happy to be optimal without a lot of flexibility they're really inspired and motivated by their result. But when it comes to sustaining those long-term, I would get people to come back over to practical because it's more about how can we do this for five years, 10 years, 15 years. And of course, being open to changing that along the way. But if you don't particularly enjoy training, if you don't particularly enjoy the nutrition plan that you're on, you can do it for a short period of time, but there's no way that you're going to sustain it for a long period of time. So I think people just need to be very, very realistic with themselves. Like sometimes you might have to do the thing that doesn't seem so fun in order to get better results. And that's absolutely fine. But that can't be your forever because we don't do things that we don't like forever. We, we just don't. Like I think that's a very typical and easy uh, easy like example for people to relate to. Like if I already say I don't like going to the gym because I don't like doing this type of workout, we don't do things that we don't like for that long. So ultimately, if we're saying, okay, I don't like it that much, I'm going to try and find the enjoyment in it. And I'm also going to frame it in a way of like, okay, I don't really love it, but I love the results it's going to get me. So if I'm result, if I'm motivated by that result, then I can keep going. But that runs out at some point. So we've got to be ready to kind of make sure that you've got plan B is something that you enjoy and something that you can sustain. But I think it's just about having that flexibility as well. It's like, okay, you don't only have to strength train. You don't only have to do crossfit. You don't only have to do cardio. And I think that just giving yourself that flexibility will make a big difference. And the second part I want to add to that as well is like gain clarity on what works and 
what you can do as well. Because I think a lot of people that go into the gym, they're a little bit lost. Like, I don't really know what to do here. And of course, you're not going to enjoy it. Like, I don't want to walk into, I don't know, if I walk into the back end of some company where they're all sitting down doing their coding and I look around and I go sit down on the computer and I don't know what to do, I'm not going to enjoy it. But if someone sat by my side and saying, ah, Elliot, this is how you work out and do this code. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I can see the, like the practicality of this. I can see how I'm learning to do this. I can see that I'm not too advanced right now. So I'm not going to go and sit at the computer with five screens. I'm just going to sit here and try and focus on this one. Then I'm going to feel less intimidated. I'm probably going to enjoy it way more than if I just enter into a place. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just do my best essentially. I definitely have a similar approach. I actually results drive me more than the feeling of working yeah. out. And that makes me go to the gym or keep working out more and more consistently. And talking about my own journey, sorry, I'll be bringing up my <laughs> experience a lot. Please do. I'm, I'd love to hear about other people's journey as well. It's great. But uh, I have noticed going deep into this journey or being on this journey that sleep and stress affects the journey definitely does affects the result so if i'm stressed i definitely see a dip into my mood or what is the approach towards working out or eating healthy i'm just binging anything and everything that comes in front of me so according to you sure. being a coach what is the effect of sleep and stress uh, in your fitness journey yeah, I think it's so, so imperative to look at these things. And that's where the holistic aspect comes in as well, is that if you just give someone a training plan and nutrition plan and hope for the best, they probably won't succeed. We all have lives that are somewhat stressful. And we all go through periods of our life where our sleep is impacted. And also we are sometimes the ones that choose to impact our sleep. Sometimes we want to stay up and watch these things. And we don't really think of the knock-on effect that that might have. And, you know, our social lives are generally most functional in the evenings as well. And if that's compounded with something like alcohol or late night eating, and also the environment of bright lights in a bar or a restaurant, like all these things make a big, big impact. So I think it's so crucial that you brought that up. I mean, if we look at things from a scientific perspective, that most of us know that, you know, if we sleep a little bit less, then our cravings are going to increase. Like that's something that has been very, very well proven. And the same goes for stress as well. And we don't even need to speak about the scientific aspect. It's more just our coping mechanism. Most of us comfy. Most of us go and reach for food in moments of stress because that's the thing that makes us feel better. And also, it's also kind of like a survival instinct as well. Okay, what are my body's primary sources of energy? Sleep and our nutrition, the food that we eat. If we're not getting enough sleep, what do we go for? Food, right? And then if we think of this from a very like instinctual perspective, what is going to serve our body the best? You know, there's broccoli and tofu, but it's not super, super calorie dense. Or are we going to go for the food that has fast acting sugars and a lot of calories? Because of ultimately, what do we have to remember our bodies are built for? Survival and reproduction. So if we want to survive, we want to make sure that our body has enough calories to do the internal functions that our body needs to do. And that's going to look like these bursts of sugar and fat and calories. And the challenge that we have in this modern era as well is that everything is a click away. We do live in this Amazon Prime generation and Uber Eats generation as well, right? We can literally just pick up our phone and then someone arrives at our door with a pizza. And it's an insane time to live in from that perspective because, you know, if we lived... 70 years ago and we wanted to do something like this 
it would have wouldn't been possible. Maybe we would have gone out into our garden and tried and pick some fruits because that would have been the most successful source of energy. So we've got to recognize that these things make a big, big difference. And I think that I don't like to overcomplicate things with telling people the science behind why this makes an impact. It's just about asking people, like, how do you feel when you don't sleep very well? You know, I'm grumpier. I don't function as well. My energy to do anything, let alone work out, is not there. And then same goes for stress as well. The working out becomes the last thing I want to think about. I'm just going to think about how I can overcome this stressful thing, whether it be a relationship, work, or whatever it might be, a family situation. Like I'm more focused on that. And then, like I said, most people come to eat. Most people's escape and most people's form of like settling themselves is going towards food. It's been such a normal behavior pattern that most of us go through through various reasons, childhood traumas, consistency of food being there when they're younger, food, you know, essentially being a friend, all these different types of things that a lot of us go through. So realistically, we have to be aware of the impact that this has. And this is why I work closely with my clients to be like, what does your lifestyle look like? You know, if you've got five kids and you've got a full-time job as well, I am going to have like a very, very good sense of that at some point, that's going to impact you on your journey. And the same goes if you're a new mother or, you know, a new father, then we know that you're not going to be sleeping super well through the night. So we need to be aware of those cravings that you're going to have and what's going to come up. And we need to be aware of those type of things so that we can accommodate your journey to make it feel more sustainable and allow you to get more results. I think the key part of the way, you know, that sometimes when you know what's coming, I think they've probably done a study on this as well. It's like they, when they, when they told someone like, you're going to go into a cold shower right now or something along those lines, it will feel difficult. It will feel pretty horrible for a second, but it's going to get easier after that. Versus just pushing someone into a shower and seeing how they react. The people who have that anticipation and awareness tend to handle these things a little bit better. So if you go into a journey like this and you say, okay, you're going to have some challenges because you have these children, you have a stressful work and lifestyle and this is going to impact how you feel around temptations and food and stuff most people are like oh, okay that makes sense so what we need to do is strategize around that versus like giving ourselves a super hard time every time we get tempted by x y or z because we're low on sleep or we're high on stress i mean it is called a journey so it's definitely not a destination you are on your journey right so along that journey you often create new habits for yourself or you learn about some things you need to let go of so what are some important habits or routines that can become an important part while being on this journey of losing weight gaining weight or whatever is your fitness goal i don't think the specifics of which habits to create really matters the most of course we want to get into a pattern where we're relatively consistent with the foods that we eat uh, in terms of timing, in terms of the types of food, and also we want to kind of get into a regular pattern of exercising on a regular basis as well. But I think the key thing when it comes to habits and maintaining your health and fitness journey is making sure that, as I mentioned earlier, you can do this very, very easily for a very long period of time. So when it comes to the habits that my clients are creating, I'm all about increasing the reward as much as possible. So them having this training pattern that they're going to go through and knowing they're going to get result off the back of that. So the reward is high. They get a lot out of that. They get the drops on the scales they're looking for. They get the improvement in life quality that they're looking for. But another big part of that is reducing the resistance as much as possible. 
Because if you have too much resistance between you and a certain thing that you want to do on a regular basis, again, sometimes desire and your why and your purpose for doing it will allow you to overcome that resistance, but it's going to be far easier to reduce that resistance as much as possible. A great example is the building that my fiance and I are currently living in. We have a gym in the apartment, which makes life so much easier. And it's no coincidence that we've been so much more consistent with making sure that our training sessions are done versus it being 15 minutes, if not longer away. And it's just that extra 15 minutes. And sometimes it sounds like, you know, like even as an online coach, people are like, wow, Elliot, you can't just walk 15 minutes to go to the gym. But life comes up, things come up. So I think when it comes to creating a habit, we just want to make it as easy as possible. So if someone says to me, okay, I want to wake up and do a gym session at 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm like, fantastic. Whilst you're super motivated, that's going to make a lot of sense. You're going to be able to do that. But eventually when that purpose and that why isn't as high as it was when you first started your journey, because we know that motivation does this. It goes up and down. It goes up and down. At that point in which the motivation is down, are you still going to get out of bed at 5 in the morning to train? Maybe not. Maybe yes, but probably not. So we've got to make sure that we're not only thinking about that short term motivated version of ourselves, we want to think of the practical side of things. Okay. So in your day, when is the most practical time to train? If you have got kids and they wake up at 7 a.m., maybe 5 a.m. is the moment and we stick with that. However, if you know that at between 3 and 5 p.m., you don't ever get booked into meetings, you have time to yourself, that is your time to go. And I think it's just all about reducing that resistance as much as possible. And also when it looks to, when you're looking towards habits as well, it's about finding how, what is the easiest way to place this into my day? A big one is with supplements as well. It's like, what do you do every single morning? Okay, I drink my coffee, I brush my teeth, etc. Okay, simple. Put your supplements next to your toothbrush, put your supplements next to your coffee. You're not going to miss those two things in your day. You're not going to miss out on the brushing teeth. And if you're anything like me, you're not going to miss out on your coffee either. So the best thing to do is put it next to an existing habit that is already there because it's going to be a much likely, yeah, it's going to give a much higher likelihood of happy, happening. So I think the big thing when it comes to habits is just reducing that resistance as much as possible, making it easy, making the re- reward very, very clear as well, because that's what's allowed, what's, what's going to allow it to stick on a long-term basis. And also if things change in your life, which they will, if there's a lot of resistance to doing the thing, if you get knocked off the wagon, so to speak, it's going to be much harder to build yourself back up to do that hard thing again. But if it's as easy as saying, okay, well, actually, I just need to show up tomorrow and it it still fits within my daily routine nicely, it's going to be much easier to get back on track. And I think that that's a big thing as well, because at some point you might fall off. At some point you might take a few weeks where you don't prioritize your health and well-being as much as possible. But you want to make sure that when you come back to it, it's not a super, super big struggle to get back into the things that were serving you so well. You mentioned something about supplements and... I was going to ask you about this later in our conversation, but when you walk into a Costco or when you walk into a Walmart, you see these bunch of supplements or even on the internet. Is there a supplement that you really recommend to your uh, clients? Or mm-hmm. Because so many people have this apprehension when reaching out for a supplement rather than using just natural remedies. I would say yes and no, and I'll explain exactly why. The reason I don't super recommend supplements initially is that so many people are making such big improvements to their 
health and well-being by the things that they're doing, that realistically, that impact is going to be far bigger than any supplement will be. So if someone starts improving their nutrition, they start exercising, they start sleeping well, they reduce their stress a little bit, that is going to change their health and they drink water as well. That's going to change their health and well-being in an extraordinary way and way more than any supplement will. So for most people, again, to make things as easy as possible, we're already implementing a lot of changes into our life. And also sometimes when we start a health and fitness journey, if we hire a coach or something along those lines, we're already making an investment. So I don't like to send people links and say, okay, now you've got $200 from Amazon to spend on supplements as well. Let's just get started on the things that really will move the needle forward in a big way. And not only that, like it will tick a lot of the boxes that you're already missing out on. And I don't mind introducing supplements a little later down the line, but I think the fundamentals need to be in place first. The only time I would say that supplements are super necessary and super important is if someone has got an insufficiency or deficiency. And what can be great, like let's say someone's got a super, uh, they're super deficient in vitamin D, for example. And yes, we can wait for that to come up through their diet, but they might be suffering from some consequences and feeling lethargic, slow, tired, a little bit depressed. So what might be a good idea is to say, okay, we're going to introduce vitamin D to just boost your levels very quickly so that you feel much better sooner. And we're also going to reinforce that with all the dietary changes that we're making. We're also going to make sure that you get out for a daily walk so you can get some sunlight on your eyes and your skin. And that just kind of aids as a booster to get them to be able to do the things that they need to do on their journey to make them feel better, right? Because if someone's depressed and not feeling that great, then they might have a harder time sticking to their plan in the first place. So if someone's experiencing some type of insufficiency and deficiency, I think it's a wise move. But I think that maybe supplements can be a little overrated when we just don't really think about why we're using them. And I think that always your foundation, your pillars are going to be your nutrition, your training, your water, your sleep, your stress management. And if you've got those things in place, then it's just, you know, the cherry on top of the cake more so than anything. Yeah, that's a fresh take, I must say, because instead of uh, giving out a list to your clients of things to buy from Amazon or anywhere that would cost them $200 or even more, uh, but instead of that, yep. actually having them understand the effect of something they would be taking in in form of a supplement is a great uh, approach. I would definitely agree to that. And similar to the knowledge on supplements on the internet, there's so many information on the internet regarding weight loss methods, be it YouTube, be it Instagram, even WhatsApp messages these days would tell you to just drink mm -hmm. this and you will lose so-and-so pounds in so-and-so number of weeks. So I know for a fact that all of that is just uh, for the sake of it, it might not work if you are not on a good path that you know are is working for you. So how do you filter out the information? How much do you actually should take in and how much should you actually ignore? Yeah, it's the million dollar question and it's such a, pl a blessing and a curse at the same time to have so much information. Because I think back to when I told you about going online and trying to find David Beckham's diet, for example, like I only had a few places to look. Like I didn't have, I don't think Instagram existed at that stage. I think we were still just in those stages of Facebook and MySpace and all those other type of things that used to exist. And 
there wasn't that much information out there, which made it challenging because you only had one source and you had to kind of trust that source because you couldn't really do your fact check-in. You couldn't double check with someone else or another reference point. You would just kind of have to trust. But at the same time, now people have the other challenge, which is misinformation, people with ulterior motives when it comes to the type of information that they put out there. So it really becomes, like you said, a, a difficult thing to start filtering out and knowing what's truthful and what's not. I think that was a big reason why I started my podcast as well. I called it the Simply Fits Podcast to provide simple and actionable tips for my clients and other listeners to take away and to apply to their journey because I wanted to break through the noise. But it's not even been easy because the world of health and fitness is so complex as well. So I try and explore both areas, give as much nuance as I possibly can, and then give them my most educated take at what I think is the best thing to do. But when it comes to people choosing what information to take in and what information not to, I would say that if they don't have the time to do it, hire someone who can do it for you, right? Like if there is something that I want to learn, but I don't have three hours to go and research, I'm going to go find an expert that I trust. And that trust is kind of based on a bit of intuition at times. You've got to go check out their content. If like every single photo of them is them half naked, suddenly you to buy this supplement, then you could probably get an idea that there's a person not to trust. But if you go through someone's content and you're like, okay, this makes sense to me. And I'm not kind of being swayed by the flashing lights and colors, but they genuinely speak some sense to me. I get an idea that they're a trustworthy individual. They're not throwing something that they're selling in my face all the time. That is the type of person that I'm going to listen to. So if they have some type of coaching program or something along those lines, I'm going to go down the route of doing that. However, if I've got time to do some research or I have a genuine passion in this area as well, that was the beautiful thing about the start of my journey. I was just obsessed with it. And I was a young teenager, so I didn't really have anything else to do with my time. So it was great that I was able to explore those different types of things. And that brought that's what allowed me to get my education. And that's the beauty of the amount of education you've got out there at the moment. So go and look for those people that you trust. Listen to their content, see what makes sense to you, and then try it out on yourself. You know, if someone says, okay, no carbs after 6 p.m., let me try it and see how I feel. And if I feel great on doing it, fantastic. If I don't and I miss pasta and I miss socializing with my friends at 7, 8 p.m., then it's probably not the right approach for you. And I want to try and find someone who maybe talks about a bit more of a balanced lifestyle. So I think it's really about recognizing that we are saturated with information and that does make things very, very challenging. But luckily there is a lot of kind of diamonds amongst all the stones out there that we can pick out, but we just got to be willing to do that research and just make sure that we don't get lured in. But like, like I said, the flashing lights and colors, like just try and think of the person's motive, the person's reasons for giving you that information and podcasts are fantastic as well because people can very easily lie to you in 10 second clips on instagram from time to time but when someone's talking for hours on end on a podcast it's very very hard to keep up that facade and at some point you're going to see through their lies so i think that that's a good place to go if you're starting to trust someone go try and find a long podcast they've done and then see if they crack at any point if they crack under pressure or if they get super hyper defensive about a certain way of doing something it's probably your indication that they are feeling like they're being figured out. However, if you've got someone who seems quite, you know, consistent with their messaging, open-minded to change their beliefs and their, more their opinions maybe than their beliefs, but they're happy to challenge their beliefs from time to time, 
that's my person. You know, that's the person I'm going to be listening to all day long. I mean, professional advice is professional for a reason. And I agree. I have taken help of many professionals throughout sure. my journey. And I do not regret any of those. I definitely found myself growing out of someone's approach and finding a new approach. But uh, yeah, I'll come yeah, out and say that I've never regretted taking professional help in all of these nutrition, fitness, health, and everything. Um, again, talking about myself here for a second. Uh, when I started my journey, I was seeing amazing results <laughs> within the first two months. And then I stopped seeing results. I'd, as you would assume, it was very disappointing for me. Uh, and then I started reading about weight loss plateaus everywhere. And people were giving information about what is a weight loss plateau, why are you on this. But uh, as far as I read about you, you do not believe in weight loss plateaus. So do you want to expand a little bit on that? Yeah, of course. It's a slightly controversial take, but I still stand by it. And hopefully I can give you guys some reasons as to why I don't. And I think the main thing is that there is a lot that can be done within a health and fitness journey to influence our results. And the place that I think plateaus maybe genuinely exist are people who are on the absolute cutting edge of athleticism. You know, maybe someone who is an Olympian maybe can experience a plateau. But for us people who are kind of more recreational, who just have these goals here and there, there's always something that we can do. So a question that I always like to ask the clients, the people I work with, I'm like, how are you getting on with your nutrition? And that question isn't just vague. It's okay. Are you sticking to the plan as closely as you possibly can? Are you measuring your food? Because if you're not, then this might be a good time to do so. Are you absolutely certain that you are not eating anything outside of your plan? Are you eating in restaurants? Are you, have you done this, I should say, for the last two or three weeks? And then they start answering those questions. How's your training? And this one's a good question that I like to ask people as well. It's like, if I was behind you, or even just think of someone that you're inspired by, I usually use like Beyonce or The Rock, right? If you're training in the gym and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson or Beyonce is looking over at you, they're not coaching you. They've just got an eye on what you're doing and they're kind of looking at how you're training. Would you be training a little bit harder? And usually people are like, yeah, I'd probably be giving a little bit more to try and impress them. Me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would be too. So if people would need to use me as an example, go ahead. But usually Beyonce and The Rock are far more motivating than I am. So that's so that's another area. Okay, you probably tra- you could be training a little bit harder. Are you super focused in the gym? Or are you scrolling through Instagram and maybe sending a few emails or get caught up in that podcast that you're listening to? Are you really kind of paying attention to your workout plan in terms of the tempo? Are you making sure that the rest period, as soon as that 60 second timer goes off, are you getting straight back into it and are you doing a focused step? And then we go deeper. We go, how's your sleep at the moment? You know, are you sleeping those seven to nine hours? Are, you, are they of good quality? Are you winding down before you're going to bed? Are you making sure that you're not watching Netflix in bed or anything like that? Did you drink a lot of caffeine during the day or did you stop at 12 p.m.? And then we go down the stress route as well. It's like, how, how's life at the moment? Are you feeling quite stressed out or is your stress relatively well managed? Are you doing what works for you in terms of stress management, like giving yourself some time, doing some meditation, doing some journaling, whatever those things are. And we go through that route of like, how are all of those things that primarily impact our health and fitness, so our nutrition, our exercise, our sleep, our stress, and our hydration. Those are the five fundamentals I usually focus on. 
And if they can say yes to every single one, I'm like, wow, you're superhuman because quite often not even I can keep on top of those things. And sometimes I can't influence my sleep. If there's a baby crying in the apartment above me and or there's a fire alarm that went off in the middle of the night and that made my sleep suck and then I got a little bit out of rhythm, you know, these things happen. So it's really, really hard to keep these five things under control. And then the next question, if someone says, yes, I have been so dialed in and there's literally nothing I could be doing better. I'm like, again, you're superhuman. How long have you been doing it for? And they're like, okay, you know, maybe three days. So I'm like, okay, do it for another two or three weeks and then see if anything makes a difference. And ask yourself that question every day. How did those five things go? Because there will always be an area in which you can improve. So if you say, I catch sleep, maybe the sleep hasn't been that good. Get yourself an early night tonight and try and get back into your routine with this sleep. Okay, I've been neglecting my meditation because I've been a bit busy. Get back onto that meditation. And just start working on the things that you can bring up. And you would be amazed that once you start doing that for a long enough period of time, lo and behold, the plateau disappears. You break through into your new all-time low on the scales and you just feel better for doing it. Or there might be a situation where we do that for two weeks and the person is genuine. They're like, I'm doing everything I can. Okay, maybe I just need to tweak the program. Maybe we need to bump up your cardio a little bit. Maybe we need to just address adjust your nutrition a little bit. But generally speaking, if you go through those steps of the people, especially that training one of like, if The Rock was watching you, if Beyonce was watching you, would you be doing more? Usually the answer is yes. So I get people to travel down that route because of then usually they ask a little bit more of themselves and they bring their level up in everywhere. And all of a sudden results start to come back. And one final point on that as well. It's also about patience because of, I have clients check in with me on a regular basis and they're like, oh, I didn't see any progress this week. And I look at their graph or their photos and I can see that they've dropped 300 grams. And I'm like, you dropped 300 grams. And they're like, yeah, but I dropped 700 or a kilo last week. I'm like, it's not a linear process and you're moving in the direction that you want to. So just give yourself some grace here. Like you've dropped 300 grams. Like that might not seem significant today, but if you drop 300 grams every single week for the entire year, you've dropped 15 to 20 kilos. So you've got to give yourself that kind of perspective and that patience as well. So that's why I personally don't believe in plateaus because I always think there's more that can be done because of it's really, really hard to stay on top of those things, even as a health and fitness coach and even as an athlete because of not everything you can influence. And also usually it just requires a little tweak and change, but quite often it usually comes back to something that we can do. So that's my experience. How does that make you feel about your plateau now? Much better. Again, a fresh new take on it. Uh, I definitely stumble in one area when I'm concentrating on other areas of the whole fitness journey and the five things you mentioned. And I agree, life happens. You can't control every freaking thing in life at all times. So you have to take it easy sometimes. But I would definitely use uh, the rock and Beyonce example and scenario next time I need more time <laughs> to at the gym. So thank you so much. Uh, it's all very new and really good uh, to listen to. Uh, so before I let you go, I have a couple more questions I want to touch base on. Uh, so success uh, in every other aspect of life looks different or is very subjective and similarly even in fitness my definition of success would be very different from somebody else's but still what is the difference between those mm -hmm. who succeed in their journeys and those who don't 
Mm, I love this question. And I think the key thing that it comes down to is staying in the game long enough. And it's interesting when you come back to something like podcasting, you've probably heard the stats about podcasts. And if you make it past like three episodes, you're in the 90%, like you're in, yeah, you're in the top 10% of podcasters. 90% of people don't really make it past like episode one to three or something like that. And I think it's kind of the same thing of health and fitness as well. It's like, if you continue to show up and you've got a rough idea of, okay, I need to do some form of exercise. I need to eat in a certain way that aligns to my goals. I need to sleep seven to nine hours per night. I need to drink enough water during the day. And you do that for a long enough period of time. I am almost guaranteeing that you're going to see some results. It's the people who, during that phase that you went through, when you reach your plateau, it's then they start getting frustrated by the lack of results and they either get really disheartened and end up doing things that end up leading them in different directions or they end up trying to do something new and novel that doesn't actually work quite as well and then they start to just essentially like fall off essentially at that point or another thing which happens to a lot of people which is an interesting one as well is that they've got a goal of maybe dropping 25 kilos they get 10 to 15 kilos down they start to feel good, which is amazing. And that's what I love for people to feel. They start getting compliments from all their friends and their family, and they start giving into that peer pressure again, and then they slide backward. So I think that a lot of the time, like we've just got to make sure that when we get to those stages of the journey, that it feels difficult, or we even get into a stage where we're seeing a lot of success. Like one of the the biggest times you're going to see a fall off is just after a period of success with many people as well, because of we sometimes get too high with the highs and we often get too lows with the lows as well. And it's just about, I always say like, take that compliment, enjoy it, integrate it and move on. If at that stage you're like, I am super happy. I could not be happy with how I look, how I feel. I'm in the shape of my life. My health is amazing. And I know I said I wanted to drop 10 more kilos, but I'm super happy here and I trust that I can sustain it. By all means, perfect. Please continue with your life and enjoy it. But most of, yeah, most of the time, that's not the case. Most people just kind of give into that comfort at that stage because of when you get to the stage that you got to, that's when 95% of people quit. And that's really on the other side of that where you see the true results that you genuinely want. And it's the same at every single part of life as well. It's like when you get to that really messy point in the middle where it doesn't feel like things are really going the way that you wanted to, they're not as fast as they were in the initial stages. That's the point in which most people say, well, actually, no, this is not for me anymore. Like, I, I can't keep going with this. But if you can look inside yourself and you say, okay, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep doing the work because I know that ultimately this has led me to a good place in the past. So I trust that it's going to continue to do the same. And even if I only see 1.01 go down on the scales, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going and keep going. Those are the people who succeed. They don't get lost in those moments of challenge and they are able to do the thankless work, you know, the work when no one's watching, when no one knows if they will have that donut, when no one knows that they'll skip that workout, only they know. And they are the, they still show up to that workout and they still decide to eat to the towards their plan and not that donut. Those are the people who see success in the long term. And I think that rather than giving you five other examples of what actually works, I think that that's the biggest indicator. If you can stay in the game long enough, same as podcasting, once again, if you can stay in the game long enough, you are going to see success. And I think that that's something I want people to take away from today. It's like, 
when it's not going good for you, go back to those things that I said. Focus on those five things. And maybe if you're not seeing a coach or anything like that, that's the time to reach out to professional help. A lot of people are going back and forth. It's just a lack of information, a lack of guidance at that stage. So maybe that's an indication that you've taken yourself as far as you can go. And now in order to get to that next level, you need a little bit of support and accountability and guidance. There's nothing wrong with that either. You've taken yourself a long way. Now let someone else help you to get to that next level. And I think that that's really what it comes down to when you see the people who have got success and sustained success versus those who unfortunately don't manage to get as much success as they would have liked to. That is so relatable. I thousand percent agree to everything I mean, doing it for yourself rather than doing it for anybody else will make the most impact. And I've seen it for myself a multiple mm-hmm. times outside of my fitness journey too. So that's great. Thank you so much. And before I leave you uh, to the rest of your day, I would want to ask you, maybe I've already touched base on this, but what's the best piece of health, fitness and mindset advice you have given to anyone in your life? Cool. That's a very, very interesting question. I don't think it's anything that I can say is consistent to everyone because as we've kind of discussed in today's episode, it's like every single person's journey looks different. So if I say one thing to one person, it's going to land, it's going to be exactly what they need to hear. And I say it to another person and it's just as good as telling them a terrible joke. Like it just doesn't stick, right? It's It really comes down to the individual. So I think you know, when it comes to the advice I can give to people, I think I'd come back to what I just mentioned in the relates in the way of saying, you just need to stay in the game. You just need to be able to keep showing up when it gets hard. And if you're able to do that, realistically, there is nothing that's going to stop you. And I think that when those moments come, and maybe we can expand on this to give the listeners a little bit more, it's about asking like, what are you thinking during that stage? Why is it that you want to give up so much? Like, What is it about not seeing progress that's getting you? And then you can maybe start talking to your internal voice. You can start to think about the narrative because a lot of people have these very unhelpful narratives that they've told themselves all their life. Like, okay, I'm not the type of person who ever sees a tremendous amount of success. And the type of person that's been overweight all of, all of my life. And they sometimes start self-sabotaging. The reason they don't push through is because they want to reinforce that story that they've been telling themselves all their life about why they don't succeed at this certain thing. So I think it's not just about saying, okay, well, I feel this stage that is getting difficult. Why am I not willing to push through this difficult phase? Is it because I don't think the results are ever going to come? Or is it if I stop here, at least it gets easy again. I can stop feeling like I'm on the edge of my comfort zone and I can go back to my social life and all these type of things. And then you start getting some insights. You're like, well, if it's the social life thing, maybe you just, you don't need to go off entirely. Maybe we need to integrate you going out and enjoying like a meal without thinking about it with your friends. And that might be enough to kind of just release a little bit from that tank for them to keep going again. Or maybe it is something deeper, like, you know, I've always been told that I'm not good enough. I've never succeeded in anything. And that's showing up here. So then it's kind of saying, okay, well, how, how true is that narrative really? You know, it's like, if you didn't ever show up for yourself, you wouldn't be here right now. And look at all the other things you've succeeded in your life. You got that promotion, you're married, you have the children and all these different things. Look at the examples of where you have done amazing and showed that you are sufficient. And we can carry that into your health and fitness journey. So I think a big part of that as well is not just getting tempted by stopping, asking why you want to stop at that stage. Like, what are those kind of voices that are, you know, a little bit dark at times telling you 
and then start trying to basically work with reinforcing some new beliefs and start essentially unwiring those old beliefs as well. Because if we just leave those other ones, they manifest. They have a lot of quote-unquote evidence because you've you've looked for situations in your life to reinforce that belief. That's what we do. Our lives are a series of stories and narratives that we tell ourselves. And so many times, like if we've got this belief that we're not good enough, we're going to search for more areas in which we're not good enough, more areas we're not good enough. And even if it's just on a subconscious level, we will continue to tell about our story and reinforce it. So we need to first unwire that by realizing that when we actually look at what's the truth, what's the genuine truth, that's not actually the truth. Then we need to work on this new belief as well. It's like, okay, well, I've seen success in this area. I've done super well on my health and fitness journey so far. So I have a very good example of what I've done. And I also do show up for myself. I am sufficient. I am enough. And now I just got to keep layering on top of that as well. So that can be a very insightful and very introspective stage of the journey and i invite people to kind of lean into it versus resist it because if you resist it you don't learn anything you usually end up back you know 10 steps back or back to square one if you lean into it it might be hard it might be a little bit difficult to look at but there are some unbelievable insights and results on the other side of that stage Thank you so much for all your insights, your advices, and your sharing your experiences. I learned so much today. I mean, uh, I I related to so many different things. I learned so many new different things, and I'm sure it will be very valuable for all our listeners to it. I hope it's an eye opener for many new people who are thinking of starting to get on a fitness journey to achieve their fitness goals. So thank you so much for your time today uh, again. And yeah, that's all I have. Uh, no, the pleasure was mine. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate the questions you asked. They allowed me to expand into many different areas. And I hope the insights serve your audience really, really well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sujak.